dishwasher is cleaning up the kitchen after lunch. When his 10-year-old son came to investigate the commotion, the father shot him too. His six-year-old daughter had the good sense to hide in the bathroom, but reports suggest he lured her out by telling her it was just a game. The girl was found shot once in the chest from point-blank range. The mother, who was shot in the stomach, was pregnant at the time. Police arriving on scene after neighbors called 9-11 found the father in his car listening to the radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast that makes you want to stick your head out of a moving vehicle as you go into anaphylactic shock brought on by a cult's attempt at using your brother's body as a vessel to bring upon Satan. As always, I am your host, Keith. And happy Halloween to all of you. And if you don't celebrate or even care, hope you're well all the same. This is the first year in a couple years that I'm not really planning to do anything. I don't even think I'm going to be dressing up or really going out. I know that we're going to be go going trick-or-treating with the kids. And trick-or-treating, I mean, that's something that I haven't done since I was a kid. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, even though it's, you know, strictly about the kids. I guess all I need to do really is just make sure they have fun, right? Uh, anyway, welcome to the podcast. I think I said that. This is the final episode of The Ghoulcade. We are wrapping up the fourth year here. And I have to say, I've had a ton of fun. It's been one of the best. Between the main feed and the Patreon feed, I have had a ton of fun putting all of this stuff together for you guys, playing all of these games. And also, I couldn't have done it without all the people who guested on the show. So a big shout out to everyone who contributed their time to come on and talk about these games. And as I record this, I am currently waiting for Red Fox from Night of the Living podcast and uh, the Drunken Gamers podcast. And I don't know, like that dude has like three other podcasts. I really don't remember all of them. Uh, maybe he only has two. It seems like he's everywhere. He He's one of those podcasters that just... He has a personality that lends well to the microphone. But before we get to this episode, I have to quickly shout out all of our main supporters of the show, the party members on this quest we call the main quest, if you will, which are the patrons, which if you would like to support the show, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash the main quest, and you can get yourself a shout out here as well as other perks, like three bonus episodes a month. Early access to episodes, special incentives when listener request month rolls around, and a few other things as well. And our patrons here are David Palafox, Eric Guess, Zero Sam, Kayla Jackson, Van Fernal, Chris Copleen, and Ashton. Again, if you would like to become a patron, Patreon? A Patreon. If you would like to become a Patreon, <laughs> become a patron. Uh, that address is patreon.com forward slash the main quest. Or just head to the link in the show notes. Man, this is going to be a rough episode. I am having a hell of a time talking tonight. With that out of the way, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. And enjoy this conversation about Amnesia colon The Dark Descent.
Today, I'd like to welcome to the show a guest that wears uh, many hats. Uh, he is a drunken gamer. He is a knight of the living. He is a connoisseur of all types of media. And I'm kind of embarrassed that it's taking me this long to have him on the show. But there's no time like the present. It is Red Fox from the Drunken Gamers podcast and Night of the Living podcast. How are you doing, my man? I am doing well, swell, and all things in between. Commander Keith, thank you for having me on. It's been a yeah, it's been a long time coming. I should have been hell yeah. I should have been episode one for the main quest before we even knew each <laughs> other. It just you always felt like something was missing in your bones. This is what it was. Yeah, before you know, I even knew anybody would even give a shit about the show. Yeah, I you was, should have been the first call. I was always there in the background. <laughs> that that moment where you had the thought I should do a podcast. If you look out the window, there's me like this. Just chill. Mm -hmm. It's like, make the call, Keith. I'm ready. <laughs> You're you are my you are my Michael Myers haunting me around every corner. Always. It's like that song. <laughs> it always feels like somebody's watching me. It's me. I'm always watching you. So as it goes for every first time guest that I have on here. Uh, start out with a few questions for people to get to know you if they aren't familiar with you. And I always start out by asking you, uh, what makes you so sure you can talk about video games? All right. Well, first of all, in that, uh, I'm so sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll get, oh, go ahead. I'm so sure I can talk about video games because one, uh, if you're familiar with any of my work, I don't shut up. I am a huge, huge video game fan. Um, literally my entire life is revolves around, Gaming, gaming media, uh, the likes. And also, I'm a huge, huge collector of video gaming stuff. Um, as you're aware, I collect a lot of, like, retro gaming things and shit like that. You know, Pokemon red cartridge right in front of the setup to keep me inspired. Um, and, yeah, I feel like I was born and bred to talk about video games. Like, I mean, they should have me host the Game Awards, honestly. I'd do a better job. Yes, I would definitely co-sign that. <laughs> Start a petition. Get Kick Je Jeff Keighley or at least co-host. Yeah, hashtag Red Fox for the Video Game Awards. When did video games enter your life? When did you start playing video games? I guess my intro into video games, I was probably around four or so, the earliest memories of it. Um, my uncle and my sister used to play the original Resident Evil all the time. And because she would babysit me, I would be four or five years old watching them play Resident Evil Director's Cut and Survivor and all the older, older um, PlayStation 1 games. I just got attached to it at a very young age, especially survival horror games, which makes it perfect for this episode. And I just, I, it's always been something that's stuck with me. And like, it continuously sticks with me as well. Like, even growing up, like, I, my gaming taste grows with the medium itself, like, always evolving. But I also never forget what initially brought me to the dance. Like, I still play retro games all the time. Like, I always go back to, actually, I prefer more games that I grew up playing and what first got me here to the newer things that are relevant. Like, I'm, I'm always playing older games like to mediate what i'm playing uh what newer stuff i play like again but my snes mini every uh retro game that's out is on that one little box every super nintendo game it's fun to break those things open it's fun to even hack consoles that you're not supposed to technically hack 
or install homebrew. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you do. Oh yeah. And it's, it's great to have access to all that stuff all the time. You know, you talked about, you know, very early on watching your family play resident evil, the older PlayStation games. And I know I've talked about on my own show and I think on a couple other shows, my uh, more formative memories of just playing video games in general, but I do have very vivid memories of the first time I played the resident evil game. Is that kind of where your love for horror games started? Absolutely. Absolutely. It started with Resident Evil and just that constant sense of like, it's only going to get scarier from here and you were never going to like, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Like Resident Evil, when I was younger, I, I always seen it like it's this unpassable obstacle. Like you kill this zombie, there's three more zombies. You kill those three, mm -hmm. there's a giant snake now. And, like, I just kept on thinking, like, oh, my God, this shit's never going to end. Hey, I think it is what gave me that sense of horror survival being, like, one of my favorites is because it's, like, every time I, when I was younger, I'd beat an obstacle, there'd be a bigger one. It's kind of like the sense of when people play the FromSoft Dark Souls games where it's, like, that challenge of beating this thing that seems so unbeatable because everything is just progressively getting harder and scarier and you got to kind of level yourself up to to beat it and when you were younger you know you could depict video games like that so yeah for me it was the first time it felt like i was really inside of a horror movie because when you watch a horror movie the things that are going to happen in it are going to happen whether you're involved or not yeah whereas when you are playing something like resident evil back in 1996 you have agency you can be the person be like, you could say run at the screen and you can run, but you also don't know what's hiding around the corner because it is, in fact, like a, a horror movie at the time. It was like a horror movie come to life. So it's almost like preemptively setting up jump scares for you when you walk to the end of a hole and the whole camera just cuts to another angle and there's the fucking zombie. Yeah, it was the first video game I remember that felt like it was actually directed because of the pre-rendered camera angles. Yeah. Know? I mean, I'll tell you one yeah, thing, it, that live action introduction and outro and the voice acting was so oh, not yeah. directed. It's so terrible, but it's like, it's like a perfect encapsulation of what that era of gaming was. Yeah. And this is the final question I have before we get to the game proper. Lay it on me. This is Red Fox lore. What is your favorite game of all time? My favorite game of all time is Resident Evil 4. OG or 2023? OG. I own Resident Evil 4. On, I'm not even joking when I tell you this. If it's available on a console, I own it. I have an iPod Touch that is still hacked with Resident Evil 4 on it. The iOS version of the game. On Jesus. It. I have Resident Evil 4 on every PlayStation, every Xbox. There's never a console that doesn't have it installed. I have the brand new one on both Series X and PS5. It's my favorite game of all time. That game is perfection. And then just as an honorable mention, my other favorite game ever is, of course, going to be Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. That game is just aesthetically pleasing. Two games that have not been brought up on the show before. I have been called a comp. You yourself have called me a commie before. And I will say once again, I've never been able to get into Resident Evil 4. Yes. It's a good game. Can I can I share a, a quick fun story about that with me calling you a communist? 
<laughs> whenever, yeah, right. whenever I talk to any of the other gaming lads, like uh, um, Aaron and Tommy, or Monkey Tabletops, or Rick, or any of them, and they they'll they'll mention, they'll bring you they'll bring you up. And it's like, oh, they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, you know, Keith from Main Quest. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, Commander Comrade Keith. I was like, communist Keith, I under, <laughs> I was like, I know. They're like, I'm sorry, what? And I was just like, move Walter. I'm like, yeah, anyway, what were you saying? They're like, no, 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 wait, wait, communist Keith. I'm like, yeah, so, so what was the point you were making though? And I would just go over it. <laughs> me, me and, uh, me and Mikey just gotten a little tiff about Sonic 2. So I think he'd probably be in line to agree with you. <laughs> I don't even remember what hot take got me that. It was when we recorded I, I said something the Dead about a Resident Space. Evil game. Yeah. When we were recording the Dead Space episode for my show this time last year actually but i thought it was something i said about resident evil Oh, it was we got Is into it... a side tangent about resident evil i don't remember what you said but i remember calling you a communist because of it okay yeah i don't i i think it was maybe for resident evil 5 oh yeah i i think it what you didn't like resident evil 5 correct no i hate it okay that's what it was that's what it was that is what it is communist it resident okay. evil 5 is a great game RE5 is I awesome. Mean, it's uh, a boulder punching I mean, good each time. His own, man. It's a great game. I'm not like saying like anything bad about it. It's just not for me. I can I understand that. Now that I understand. I do want to ask you a question that's kind of relevant to tonight's episode. And it has to do with first person <laughs> first person exploration um per your tweet. But before we get to that, I do want to say that tonight is a special episode in particular. This is something I haven't done since, I think, my Battletoads episode. And that uh, tonight, me and Red Fox are going to be doing a power hour. And he's kind of already started before me, but <laughs> the timer has not been set. I pre-game this. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I mean, you are the perfect person to have on for this at this point. Oh, yeah. So... I was like, this is an opportunity that I can't pass up. I mean, it's your first time on the show. Uh, you are, in fact, a quote-unquote drunken gamer. Oh, it was funny because in the in the intro before the intro, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, Red Fox is uh, part of Night of the Living podcast, Drunken Gamers. Um, and then I was like, he's in like three other podcasts that I can't remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> I also mentioned Drunken Gamers. I, uh... Happen to be their champion and whatnot, so... Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, you know. All right. No, no big deal. No big deal out to brag, but each one of these bottle caps were uh, victories over my fallen my fallen uh, co-hosts. Not really, for, but for it's just... people, um, obviously, this is an audio podcast, but uh, Red Fox has just whipped out this uh, UFC-looking belt with uh, a bunch of bottle caps on and it. And our logo in the center. So, yeah, um, I guess let's kick this episode off proper take a first couple sips uh what are you drinking on tonight? well i am uh drinking a paps blue ribbon 16 ounce tall boys i got myself a, a nice fresh corona i'm bringing it back yeah i'm like bring <laughs> it back corollas are so goddamn good yeah they're low-key goaded so cooking be... af yeah so uh cheers man cheers let me start this timer this is going to get real. If you guys ever listen to the Battletoads episode, you're probably really sick of that fucking timer. You're about to hear it again. Uh, so let's start it and let's start talking about Amnesia colon The Dark Descent. <laughs> 
So as I like to start the show proper, I like to talk about our personal histories with the game in question. Wow, that is the most obnoxious alarm sound I have on my phone. So, yeah, what's your personal history with Amnesia? We'll start with you. All right, so I've always known about this game. Um, I actually actually beat this game back when it first came out. Honestly, I, I think that this game is a staple in horror survival gaming. However, I will say, I do think this game is incredibly overhyped as far as like how scary it is and all that other jazz. If you are a seasoned horror survivor player, uh, you already recognize when things are getting scary, when they're not. And that tension, once you lose the tension in this game, you lose the game. I feel like if you have fond memories of playing this game, keep it as a memory. Don't go back to it. I loved it at first. Like when it first came out, it did scare the shit out of me. Um, I am not huge on first person horror in general. I don't like it. Um, little fun fact. I have very severe sensory, um, anxiety. So the games like that, like it's a struggle for me to like get through them, which makes it so much more challenging and sometimes makes a bad game better. But, uh, yeah, I played through it originally when it first came out. Uh, we blasted through it and took us probably about like a weekend or so. It's not a very long game, but I do remember having really fond memories of it when I first started like getting into the game. Like, I, I had really good fond memories of it. It was uh, scary in all the right ways. Drink time. It was scary in all the right ways. But I will say it, it, it also kind of, and I even knew this back then, once you see the monster, you, you're losing a lot of, like, yeah. the fear to it. Yeah, for sure. So you were you a fan of the last two Resident Evil games that came out? So... Yes. Um, Resident Evil 7 is, like, Resident Evil 7 is in my top five of all the Resident Evil games. I think that game is incredibly terrifying. It is, it did the first person aspect in such an incredible way that felt so fresh because, you know, at the time we had, like, shit like Outlast already out, Soma, and stuff like that. But with Resident Evil, the, with 7... It, it brought back the claustrophobia of being in the mansion, but it made you have to visualize it with the first-person aspect. Village had the problem of Resident Evil 5, where they went from scares to action, and it at one point started to feel like I was playing... It, it felt at one point like I was playing Metro or Resistance Fall of Man yeah, more than yeah. a, a Resident Evil game. It's still good games, but it got a little too ambitious. Yeah, I don't want to bury the lead too much here, but there's a part in Resident Evil 8 that kind of out amnesia's amnesia. Which part? Uh, House Benavito. Oh my god, yes. The skin baby? Yes, the skin baby and those fucking dolls. And there's even, um, I don't know if you played the DLC for that. Um, Shadow Shadows of Rose, of Rose or yeah. something like that. And the mannequins. It's kind of like the same deal. Fuck those things. No, I, those mannequins? They did not have to make that that terrifying, but they Dude, found yeah, a way. The, the noises they made, fuck. <laughs> they start running towards you. My personal history with amnesia, it's it's not a lot. 
you know, this is actually my first time playing the game, uh, but I am familiar with the reputation that it has. Um, back then, like, I think me and everybody that kind of knew about this game just knew it from its reputation on uh, YouTube. Like, Amnesia was released at the right time, at the right place, because Let's Plays on YouTube were becoming a more prominent thing. They're getting a lot more traction. And though the Amnesia itself kind of borrows a lot of ideas from earlier horror games, there weren't any out at the time that were quite like this. I mean, like we were just talking about, like a lot of horror games were getting more into the action sort of things because of the success of a game like Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 5. Dead Space, I think even when we talked about it on your show, uh, which by the way... Go check out the episode on Dead Space that I was on. <laughs> that was a fun time. We even talked about how like Dead Space is kind of like a mixture of survival and action. It really, things really ramp up, you know, towards the end. I'm going to hear that chime in my sleep. And watching Let's Plays and, and watching what are now, you know, people streaming, those are like easy ways to live vicariously through someone else's experience. It's an easy way to experience a game without having to play it and a lot of people just don't like horror games because of that agency that they give you the way they make you feel like you're in that person's shoes um, and i get it like that's that really turns people off from this this genre of games so it, it's no wonder why this game exploded at the time it did because those kind of you know reactionary channels with People like fucking PewDiePie um, basically really overreacting to what was going on on the screen. I think the era of like Let's Plays and the overreaction videos to this game is actually more harmful than good for it. Especially this game directly. Like people who watch streamers who like overreact to this game. Like, oh my god, oh, oh, throwing shit in the air and like over, like really overselling it. Yep. You're creating this false narrative that this game is something that's like going to absolutely like destroy your sense of like, uh, uh, of bravery, I guess, with playing horror games. But in reality, they're not that scary. And then you, you create this false narrative and then people who go to go play it are just like, oh, uh, it was a jump scare. It was just a jump scare. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. We'll get into it more as we go through into the game, like the ports that work with the with the scares. But again, it, it also becomes one of those things where it dies out. Like the scares die out. And I think the streamers really oversell how scary the game actually is. And it throws people, like you said, some people don't want to play horror games because of it. And guess what? you guys overreacting to a game being scary is also losing that game players because you're sure. making it seem like, well, I'm going to play this game and then I'm going to have the urge to go stab my father. Like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it's also, yeah, when it, yeah, the, in the way that they oversell the product, the people are going to be like, yeah, no, I heard it's the scariest game ever. I couldn't even watch it. Yeah. And I mean, the Amnesia has has that it, it is known as one of the scariest games of all time 
and I mean, we'll get into it, but I mean, it, uh, yeah, Amnesia owes all of its all of its success to YouTube. Yes, it's a very um through the grapevine kind of game. Yeah, it, it's it's uh all of those people were doing were advertising, right? Yeah, it makes me kind of wonder like if frictional games had anything to do with that. I doubt it. No, I think it was just of the time. You do yeah. it for the clout. Speaking of frictional, let's dive into the development history of the game. So Amnesia, colon, The Dark Descent, is a survival horror game developed and published by Frictional Games. A lot of the notes that I have here came from an Arns Technica interview with uh, the developer, Thomas Grip, um, which I will leave a link to that video in the show notes uh, if anyone is interested in checking that out. Um, so Frictional Games, they're an incredibly small developer. They still are. And at the time that Amnesia was made, it was made by only four people. Which is pretty good. Making game is hard. Yeah, I mean, when you look at The Bunker, which just came out at the time of this recording, maybe last month or so. Yep. They're probably up to maybe like seven or eight people making games now. So, I mean, they're bigger Still very indie. What's that? Someone answered their ad on Indeed finally. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but prior to Amnesia, they are actually working on a series called Penumbra. Are you familiar with that at all? I am. Penumbra is what Penumbra is what people talk Amnesia into being. And that's where like that's kind of where the two differ is that Penumbra or Amnesia seems very low budget. Penumbra is low budget. Yeah, for and sure. And that low budgetness works to the game. To the game. That's it. That's the end of the sentence. I don't know. To what, strength. Yeah, there's, there we go. That's the fucking word. Yeah. I mean, it was basically created as a as a tech demo for their... Man, this, this episode is going to get harder and harder the more we drink. Um, <laughs> it was a tech demo for their um, physics engine, yes. basically. And it was kind of developed as a inspiration to Silent Hill. Yes. It was like they wanted to make a first-person Silent Hill. And the the other reason why they developed it specifically in first-person was that it was just an easier game to develop. Um, and the first Penumbra, if I remember right, had combat, but the combat was not like the strongest part of that game. And so for the second game, they wanted the combat to be similar to what we kind of know now in Amnesia. Yeah, and to... To add to that, too, because it's funny you mentioned Silent Hill, Penumbra did kind of start more as a tech demo and all, and I feel like because there is a lot of that game where you can see, like, polish was needed in the game, especially at the time of it coming out. It's a much older game, guys. It kind of, again, it adds to the strength of it and the unfinishedness of it. Like, for example, what's the scariest game out right now if you're actually able to play it it's pt which is a tech demo 100 to the first person silent hill or to the new silent hill game that at the time was coming out it's pt oh also one of the bigger influences on amnesia which i was really surprised to hear about was mario 64 i looked that up what the hell was that about so it took me a while to figure out but as I was nearing the end of this game, I was like, oh, each 
part of this game basically has what amounts to a hub area, just like the castle from Mario 64. Oh, yeah. So that's really the only connection I could make. Listen, Thomas Grip cited it as a direct inspiration, so I have to obviously be like, yeah, of course, that's a huge inspiration. So, yeah, Penumbra, they were like, this combat isn't great. How about we just make a game that doesn't have any combat in it? And in this interview, you know, obviously they're citing they cited Silent Hill. They cite Resident Evil also. And those are games that you you can obviously defend yourself. You can. You can use weapons as like a last resort. And in the interview, Thomas Grip explained that he wanted to strip that away. Or I'm sorry, he wanted to strip that away. And he explained that uh, it it forces you to look at the enemy encounters differently if you can't defend yourself. And just like we were talking before, he was like, yeah, in horror movies, the protagonists are always running away, right? Right. No matter what horror movie you're watching, somebody is always running from something that's following them, right? And he wanted to recreate that feeling. And I feel like they were successful in in that department, at least. So I feel like they were successful in it. But and then as we go on, I'll, I'll explain a little, elaborate a little bit more on it. But the game asks you to play along a lot. I mean, when the game starts, it literally tells you like you should do this, this, and this to get the best experience out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it yeah, it quite literally tells you how to play it. Because if you don't, um, you'll break the immersion, and you're not going to have the experience that they want you to have with the game. And one of those things is uh, wearing headphones, right? They tell you, put on a good pair of headphones. Except I played this game on the Switch, which you cannot use a good pair of headphones on. No. (laughs) So I had to play it just using my TV, which, I mean, it was still, I still have a good sound system and everything, but definitely not as atmospheric is using headphones but. yeah i played it with the c on the series x um with my like my uh pro game my like big headphones on and shit and it, the sound design we'll get to it but the sound design really uh helped with it playing with the headphones on because we play it with just tv it's hit or it's hit or miss like things that are supposed to scare you sound wise will sometimes reach you before it happens or after it happens and i I mean, we're, we're going to get into it, but I, yeah, the, the sound design and everything is a huge part of the reason why this game can be as effective as it is right. for some people. There, there's um, kind of something behind the curtain going on that I, I guess I will demystify this game a little bit when we talk about the gameplay. Amnesia started development in 2008, and at this time, Frictional was having a ton of financial issues. There's a lot of dropped contracts between publishers trying to get this thing out. And it wasn't the main reason why they stripped back the gameplay for this, but it was one of them. Grip Grip explained that he didn't want to make a game that was too puzzle focused, but wanted to implement the puzzles in a way there's actively kind of figuring out what to do during enemy encounters through the use of lights and what is basically the sanity 
uh, mechanic in this right, game. Right, which is a neat touch. I think he did good with that. Yeah, so it was it was a nice, clean and simple way to simplify the gameplay, but make it interesting enough and engaging and also suitable for somebody to publish as well. You know, something nice and cheap. Right. Something that's uh, not too, um, not cost effective. I mean, it was cost effective. I think he did a good job of maximizing a minimalistic game. So Amnesia, colon, The Dark Descent was released September 8th, 2010 for PC. Since then, it has been ported to the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles, and the Nintendo Switch. I keep giggling about the Nintendo Switch because we're going to talk about a lot of the issues I had (laughs) playing it on that. Since then, it has been followed up by two sequels, Amnesia, colon, Rebirth, in 2020 and just a few months ago amnesia colon the bunker in 2023 so i saw this on your on your notes so there is i would guess i would say a spin-off there's a dlc for amnesia called justine which is very short you can bang through it two and a half three hours it's pretty much just more amnesia lore if you want it there's another one though called a machine for pigs which I wouldn't classify this as a sequel, more as like a spinoff game. Mm-hmm. So I played a machine for pigs not that long Which ago. Which I think Frictional didn't actually develop that. I think that was like a, a fan-made thing, if I remember um, right. Yes, yes. If I'm not mistaken, it's... it's Yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, yes, it's a fan-made... It, it is a fan-made game. It's not... It's not from Fictional. Uh, let me see. It was produced by Fictional. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't think it was the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same team. It was just published under them. A different developer. But that game is actually pretty fucking awesome. That game's cool, and that game does what I kind of wish Amnesia The Dark Descent would have did, which was not just constantly make you think, oh my God, something's around the corner. Yo, in this one, when your lantern flickers, you know the pigs are near. But that can happen at any time, and it almost reminds me of Resident Evil Nemesis, the original one, where Nemesis can show up at any point. Like, two people can mm. play the game and have completely different ways, because Nemesis spawn same areas every time, but different times he would spawn in randomly to chase you down. Machine for Pigs is kind of like that. The pig can show up randomly. When your lights are flickering, they don't give a shit what you're about to do or what you're in the middle of doing. Your lantern flickers, the pigs are coming. Well, it also reminds me of Silent Hill with the radio static. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Again, they kind of the same thing. Again, thing another Silent huge Hill. inspiration. Yeah, I might, you know, again, I don't want to give away my thoughts, but I definitely do want to check out these other games. And I do have the bunker downloaded on my Xbox. So Same. Uh, review scores for context after I take this drink. Yes. Amnesia has an 85% on Metacritic, an 88% according to PC Gamer, 8 out of 10 for Eurogamer. IGN has an 8.5 out of 10. Game Informer has a 9.25 out of 10. And I apparently forgot to look up user scores on Google or GameFAQs or anything. I imagine very high. <laughs> so... Or in this same yeah, degree. Yeah, well, usually I like to include a, a nice little joke review. Well, not really a joke review. They're real reviews, but sometimes people, I'm, I'm not sure they realize what they're actually putting out on the internet. That's me. Or maybe they do. That's me. 
Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know this. I started arguing. But that does mean we can slide right into the retro recollections portion of the show, which is uh, provided by you, the listener. Every so often, I will put something out on Twitter or any of the social media platforms and be like, hey, have you played this game? Let me know what you think of it. And so here are some of those. And we'll start with some patrons here. Chris Copleen said that I played this game for about 10 minutes. Nope. Accurate. And I did. I did. Yeah, I did ask him to elaborate. And he was like, yeah, it's just too fucking scary. Uh, We've got B. Ross here. Uh, He said that I didn't have the guts to finish the game. It gave me incredible anxiety. Correct. I agree. I agree to a certain extent. Um, Again, (laughs) we'll we'll demystify this game in a little bit here. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Um, Going to, I think this is sliding into Instagram here. Sliding this corona down my throat. Oh, yes. Here we go. Uh, I believe... It's either Dana Terp or Danny Terp says, you run around and look at the walls. The puzzles aren't good. The game isn't scary. I hated this game. I also agree with that man. Yes. So far, nothing anybody has, nothing anybody has had to say about this is incorrect. <laughs> Retro Streams, a.k.a. Van Fernal, has this to say. Actually, we're going to say Van Fernals for later. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Josh Folan who says, exhausting video game. And we also have Gaming Together podcast. <laughs> My boys. Says, <laughs> shout out to Philip and Nave. Make sure you open up all 815,391 drawers in the first level, lest you miss the story. Or you miss a lantern in the beginning. Because fun fact, you can miss that. That's interesting. Yeah, you could probably play this game. Is there like a lanternless speedrun of this game? Probably. I would imagine there is. And coming back to Van Fernal here, he said, I had an experience with amnesia, but it was forgettable with a drum drum emoji. Wait, can I can I do it here? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you covered. So going into this story plot, the entire story of Amnesia basically takes place before the game starts. The story is basically told through notes that you find throughout the castle. I'm just going to kind of do like the too long, didn't really care about the story because I really didn't care about the story. Yeah. (laughs) If you're familiar with my show, you're you're probably not that surprised, but. Yeah, this story is a. Really makes you think you kind of care more about what happened before the game started than what's actually going on in the game. But elaborate on your notes here, please. I have comments as you go. Okay. So from my understanding, we play as Daniel, who has amnesia. No fucking way. Right? Right. Yeah. I it. almost forgot about Do- it. <laughs> yeah. If we weren't talking about the game Amnesia, 
I wouldn't have even thought it was a plot point. So <laughs> throughout the game, we find notes that he's left himself. And in one of them, he talks about how he must find basically the technically the antagonist of the game, Alexander, and he has to kill him, right? And he also talks about how he's being mercilessly hunted by a shadow. And basically what happens prior to the game starting is probably what's better than the actual story of the game. Right. Um, In different time periods, both Alexander and Daniel found this mysterious orb that has powers that aren't exactly fleshed out. Like, we're not entirely sure what it's capable of. All we know is that it does horrible things to the people who mess with it. And Alexander, when he found his orb, used it to do horrible experiments on the townspeople. And that's kind of where we start off without getting into spoilers. So I guess before we get into spoilers, does that all sound right? That all sounds absolutely correct to the best of my memory. So going into spoilers here, and if you don't... I love the pauses we have to take when the alarm goes off. Right. And I got to crack another beer too, so here we go. Spoil it up. So yeah, if, if you are, if you do not want spoilers and you want to play the game, experience it yourself, uh, just skip ahead until you hear music and we'll be talking about the gameplay. So we later find out that Daniel gave himself amnesia. Which is a terrible idea. Through, through a potion that was given to the people tortured in Alexander's experiments. Which again, it just is a terrible fucking idea. And the reason why he gave these people this potion was that somehow, this is where I'm kind of like, things are cloudy for me. Somehow Alexander... It's going to get cloudier the more we drink. Perfect. We're drinking to forget this game. <laughs> we might have amnesia by the end of this episode. Oh, we absolutely will. <laughs> It'll be the dark descent. How dark could we get? Very, when we get to the gameplay so, parts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alexander somehow figured out that in order to keep the shadow that is haunting him as well, in order to keep it at bay he needs to feed it fear, right? Yes. Okay. So he tortured people because when you are being tortured, it is not a pleasurable experience. To some, it might be. <laughs> Those are some other people. Yeah. like mm, Between torture and pleasure, I don't know. I would anyway. live so well in this world. <laughs> <laughs> some, people, some people love the pair of anguish. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, so he somehow, as he was torturing these people, bottled their fear, like manufactured their fear somehow. It's yes. In the, yes, it's in the same vein. If you've ever seen a vampire movie where they're trying to take over the world, where they're trying to farm their food and just have it there. Like he was basically taking torturing them to take their fear as an endless supply to feed the fucking thing. It's very... The plot's there, but it's not as simple to follow along. So it's very mm -hmm. hard to explain as well. I mean, it's there. Like, it's a through line. Like, if you don't think about it too hard, 
it makes sense, right? Like, it makes yeah, sense if you don't question it. Yeah, like, does it make sense that he's farming fear? Absolutely not. Do I have some of this wrong? Maybe, but that's at least what I got from it. Do you have it wrong, or did you forget? <laughs> it's very possible. I forgot because um, there's there are a lot of notes in this game, more documents in this game than in a lot of, I would say, a lot of survival horror games. To keep that fear genuine, this is when the potion comes in and why Alexander was using it, was that he would, after he was done torturing people, he would give them this potion so that they would forget everything up until the point of torture and then torture Which, them all over Which, that's the only again. part of this man's plan that makes goddamn sense. Yes. Why Daniel took the fucking potion to begin with it's, I had to stop this man, but let me see if I can remember why I need so, to stop him. It's this kind of like holier than thou stance True. that he's taking where Daniel, we find out that Daniel was complicit in his experiments because he also came to Brennenburg Castle knowing that Alexander was kind of working on this resolution to the shadow that was following right, him. Right, trying to break the curse. Yes. So Daniel went in on the experiments with him, went to abduct people, and along the way killed a child. Yes. And so in order to redeem himself, that's like one of the first notes that we find was that Daniel gave himself the amnesia potion to forget that he murdered somebody. Which is a shit way of doing it too, by the way. You didn't redeem yourself. You forgot that it happened. Right. You're still, and I think, you know, Frictional went on to make Soma, which I think as a story is a much better I'll game. reveal something to you. I think it, Soma is. I cannot play Soma. It why? is too much for me. It's probably one of the scariest games yep. I've ever played. It Easily. In both narrative and setting. That is one of two games that to this day, I cannot do it. I've tried it. It's too much for my senses. I just. I'm not good for a good like day or two after playing it. Soma and that game that's underwater. I forget the name of it. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, like the. Well, I think of Subnautica. Is it Subnautica? I'm thinking of. It is Subnautica. Subnautica. Yes. Both those two games, I cannot do them at all. There, it's it's too much for me, and I genuinely tried i tried it on my medication and i still couldn't do it yeah soma i mean just speaking to soma's story has quite the ex existential dread at the end of it like i after i finished that game i'm like i don't i don't want to exist anymore yeah <laughs> like what even is my existence <laughs> yes and i, I watched playthroughs of it or like you know i skipped around playthroughs and I've, I've listened to a podcast about like the whole lore of soma it's incredible i really wish i could get through it but i just can't do it those both those games it's too much and subnautica isn't even like a horror game really no but it's just it's too much no yeah no i totally have that fear of um was it thala thala thassophobia or something like that yeah the fear of uh the depths of the ocean uh yeah i yeah i totally get that um that's one of the reasons um it was so hard for me to finish returnal yeah because at the end of that game, the final stages, you were underwater. So, yeah, I mean, to kind of wrap the story portion of this up, 
I think it's interesting that they try to use that amnesia trope in an interesting way other than just like, oh, this person forgot who they were and they kind of just have to figure out what happened to them and how they got to where they are now. And I, the execution is great, but like the ending is not, and there's a couple different endings that you can obtain as well. I think there's three different endings. There's three, but right. they're like different to various degree. You're still a piece of shit in the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what, and like to your point, just because Daniel forgot he murdered a child doesn't mean it, he still didn't do it. You know, I think they could have maybe fleshed kind of the guilt out a little bit more of that, like made that a little more impactful than what it actually is. Because when you find out, it's like, oh, shit, he murdered a kid. And then there's really no other way. Like they they just kind of forget about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, you know, I took his potion like I I, I was complicit. I knew he was evil. He didn't twirl the mustache. I wasn't sure. And then I killed the kid. So I'm going to forget about it, call it redemption. And now I have to stop this man. One thing to add with with the uh, whole story, my view on the story slash plot. So I mentioned earlier, the game does ask you to lean into it a lot. And it does use amnesia as almost an ex machina to bridge gaps in the plot. Because here's the thing, if you miss a note, you're going to just keep going without knowing that part of the story. But they ask you to forgive the fact because you have amnesia. So you're going to read a fucking lot in this game. And if you really want to know the full story, you have to read all of it. Because our character does not remember. Which at times, it does not blend well with the gameplay. Because it's not like, like Resident Evil does it great. Because, and I'm sure at the time of this recording, everyone has seen the meme going around where it's like, uh, it's like the the diaries of Resident Evil, and it's like we cross we crossed uh, uh, a jaguar with a gorilla and gave it AK forty seven for hands. Yeah, it <laughs> Bob keeps poking it with a stick for eighty hours. Hopefully, it doesn't escape. Page two, it escaped. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Resident yeah. <laughs> Evil gives you these short, small. Nothing is more than eight pages in Resident Evil note wise fucking amnesia will be like so here's a 34 page uh you know dissertation on what happened on this exact day half of this you don't need to know but there's parts that you do and they're in the middle of it so get reading bitch like that's what amnesia tells you to do that's why i think i was so i was so unsure of the events that take place in this game well because the problem is you're reading so much, and it's not just that you're reading so much, you're reading so frequently. And it's from different points yes. of views, too, of different characters. Yes. And half the time, too, you don't even, like, I forget who did what in this game, because you have to read so goddamn much. I will say, though, the reading thing, sometimes I understand what it does, though. What it does is you are in a very tense situation when you're playing through the game. Then when you read, it takes you out of that world for a minute, lets you ease up, and then it puts you back into the tension. The problem, though, is that it also kind of does that as well, but in the sense of, like, it throws you back into the scary after reading, but nothing you read is in context of the scares coming up. 
No, what you said made sense. I'm going to disagree slightly okay. because I think in some aspects – like, yes, I, I think it does allow the player to get a breather. But I also think some of those notes help build the tension. Okay. I think it helps build the fear of what's to come. And I, I think it builds anticipation. But ultimately, I don't think there's ever a good payoff for any of that. Okay, yes. The, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. That's a better way of what I was trying to word that as. Like, And again, it goes into how long some of these notes are as well, where it's like, it, it does build into it, but you're reading so much. Like, if, if, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I just don't think the narrative is as great as some people would claim it is. No. Like you said, there's a couple plot holes, and it's just easily explained away because they're just like, well, he's got amnesia, you know? <laughs> That's the ex like, uh, Right, exactly. And again, I what they did with the whole thing that's like, oh, the amnesia is uh, a potion, right? I think that's a great plot device for the context that it's used in torturing people. Um, that is horrific. So right? I just want to mention about the fact of like the reading and all and how like sometimes it can break your immersion. But I do sure. you word it a lot better, though. And it does kind of give you the anticipation of what may be around the corner. And it gives, but like the breathing room thing kind of, it can either do one of two things, depending on what kind of player you are, either it'll take you out of the tension that you've settled yourself into for the good or for the bad. Which one fact? Your famous, your your favorite YouTuber and Twitch streamer, they didn't read the shit. They just ran through. They have no idea what this game's about. They didn't stop and read you 12 <laughs> pages, all right? They just kept fucking rolling. That was a very good point. And with that said, I mean, this is this is it. So we, we made it. I, we officially have completed a power hour. I can't believe that already. Yes. <laughs> Time flew by. And in the, way, the, in the same way the notes kind of bring upon the fear that actually isn't taking place... Uh, let's talk about the gameplay. Yes. In which the gameplay does things that aren't actually happening as well. But before I fucking rip the curtain down of the gameplay mechanic, as we know it, you are roaming around this castle. You're picking up, you're throwing objects. Picking up everything that you can. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is basically based off the physics engine of Penumbrum or Penumbra, um, you're combining objects in a menu to solve puzzles. This is essentially like a 3D point and click. Yeah, it is. And one of the weird things that I talked about in the last episode uh, when I talked about Clock Tower is just how much this game has in common with Clock Tower. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, absolutely goaded game. Clock Tower 1 is awesome uh, i don't want to give away i don't know you haven't heard that episode yet so it's not out and i don't want to give my thoughts away on that it's interesting 
I'll say that much. I put, I, it's interesting. I played it. At it release. has a legacy for a reason. Yeah, I played it at release, so it. Clock Tower is one of the few games that actually stuck with me over the years. It is terrifying to me. Are you talking about the PlayStation? I'm talking about the PlayStation one with the fucking oh. in, with the cover art of him with the shears with the okay. light tower in the background, and when he walks by, it's shing 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 shing. I hear those shears in my fucking sleep. That game terrified me as a child. Oh, we talked about the original Super Famicom version. So, Ooh. I yeah, it's still. Oh, I look forward my point to this still episode. Stands. Yeah. My point still stands. This has a ton in common with Clock Tower. Very much so. Essentially, there are four resources that you need to manage, which are your health, the tinder boxes, lantern oil, and your sanity. You basically have a sanity meter, which is also very Clock Tower. You know, out of all of these, I really didn't have a problem with the health, the tinder boxes, and the lantern oil. I cared more about my sanity meter than anything else in this game. Like, gameplay-wise. I did think it was funny, like, as your health degrades, though. Like, there were a couple times, just because I was like, well, I want to see what happens if I die. Jumping off of some things, it's funny. Like, you can jump off a box and, like, easily get take fall damage. <laughs> I'm like, I, like, how weak is Daniel? Um, he doesn't remember. So there's there's some things I, I, I do just to see, like, what the effects were on, like, you you basically have a heart icon in your menu, and that represents your your health. And then you have a a brain icon that represents your sanity. And so I I fucked around to see what the heart looks like when you're on low health, and it looks like it looks like he basically just smoked like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, like it just looks cancerous <laughs> instead of like I don't know bleeding or beating faster or something. You know, I I don't know. It was a weird graphic graphical representation of what low health might look like yeah the tinder boxes and lantern only one all that shit meant nothing to me after the first like two three hours of the game just have so much and half the time guess what i'm not using this shit anyway because there's a monster in the hallway yeah and guys this game is always the video game like, no, I'm not going to light myself up. They'll see me. See, that's the thing. Yeah, the more you light, the easier it is for the monsters to find you, right? Yes. So you have to find... Essentially, when it comes to the monsters, you're going to want to run away. It's like one of my retro recollections said. They said, you're running away, and you're going to go face a wall for a minute, and then the monster's going to disappear. That's kind of what you're doing when it comes down to it. Yeah. And in a lot of aspects, like, if there's too much light, you're not going to get away from the monster. You have to hide in the dark. But darkness affects your sanity. Or does it? So here's what I heard about in that Arns, Arns Technica, I was going to say review, um, interview with the developer of the game. And that your sanity meter is already predetermined depending on where you are in the game. If you're gonna, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, I just ruined the game for you. <laughs> but it doesn't really actually matter because you're sent. So, like, if you start out in the first area and you're not lighting anything, your sanity will only drop to a certain level. 
And then when the game wants your sanity to like actually plummet, it will do it no matter what. Right. Regardless too. like towards the end of the game, kind of like you, I was like, what's the point of using these tinder boxes? What's the point of having the lantern out all the time? If I really needed to see where I was going, I would pop the lantern out very briefly just to kind of like catch a glimpse of my surroundings and then just put it away right away. And I wasn't lighting anything because I just found that the sanity didn't actually matter that much. Like it was going to be bad no matter what the game wanted you to do. I could deal with roaches crawling low to the screen. Yes. Like, yes. After the first time, it freaked me out a little bit. Even in the most recent playthrough, freaked me out a little bit, but I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that happens. Well, again, the sound design goes a long way, and we're going to talk about that in a second. I just think as a mechanic, as all these things work together with like, uh, and there's a plot relevance to the dark, right? Daniel's afraid of the dark, mm -hmm. and so it affects him mentally. Causes them to see things that aren't there. Right, like monsters that spawn might not actually be there. And sometimes you might see an event happen, like a window might break or something, and it will freak Daniel out. Or a door will It'll fucking slam open. Right, exactly, or like the lights will go out. Well, that door thing, too, is what I meant earlier about, like, with the with the headphone thing. So if you, when I played it, like, without the headphones on, there was a part where the door slammed open, and that happened actually before the sound played. Mm -hmm. And it happened again, vice versa, where... I heard the bang and then the door opened up and I was thinking in my head like, was that supposed to be like that? Because you're like kind of crazy or is that what they meant by headphone? Yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, I'm not That's sure either, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a weird thing because, but again, the amnesia fact of it and the fact that you're going crazy in the dark plays the ex machina on small things like that. Or is the game just broken? I'm always going right. to go with games broken. I play Bethesda games. That's like one of those things where it's just like, I don't know if you're like, either way, I feel like it's not pulling it off very well. No. Is this a feature or a bug? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So this is where I have the biggest problem with amnesia is that, first of all, this game gives you more motion sickness than anything else because you're constantly wobbling that, and it's all physics based on top of that. This game makes me incredibly motion sick. Like, there's more motion sickness than scares for me. Uh, the game's unsettling for exactly about two hours if you play straight through, because once you get comfortable with it, you just get comfortable with it. I do think with the gameplay-wise, yes, the invent or the items that you get, it's like playing Resident Evil in easy mode. You have so much tinder, so much oil, and then you just start realizing that I'm not even going to take the time out to light that. I'm just going to run. Because here's the real thing, not to ruin this game for anyone, but your death has no consequence because you'll just respawn in. And fun fact, if you keep one dying in the same spot, eventually they just won't spawn in. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah, this has a very generous autosave feature. Yep. And most of the time, if I couldn't get, get through an area, I was like, just kill me because I know you're going to go away. Exactly. And, and, and it's, there's no consequence to it like they're very generous with the checkpointing you listen just keep running it over and over again and until eventually they're not gonna be there and then you progress your way through which is a good way to make sure people aren't like 
trapped in a certain area if they can't figure it out or if you're dumb and you forgot the lantern in the beginning of the game but well here here's the thing too sorry to interrupt when you die the game literally tells you what you have to do yes you know how like you know in souls games when you die it just comes up with like you died in this game it kind of has a similar like pop-up text but instead of just being an asshole about it they're like go around and pull the lever or something it'll literally tell you what you have to do there's leather to get through the area you're yeah in. there's levers on the side to distract enemies try that yeah right yeah exactly yeah the the game will hold your hand a lot for it but gameplay wise like i i, I hate physics-based games i do unless it's portal i hate physics-based games especially physics-based fucking puzzles which okay. one of the was, other things that was my next question for you yeah what, what you what did you think about the puzzles i think that some of the puzzles you need a fucking walk through to even figure out what the hell to do like i had there's two items in your inventory that you have on you for the longest goddamn time and you never like if i didn't look it up i would have never have known where you got to drain the body like you got to make a syringe I would have never known that if I didn't look that shit up. And that goes to the nature of just, again, those very archaic point and click games like Clock Tower. Yes. <laughs> you know, where you're just, you're going through the menu and you're like, how do these things interact with each other? You're just kind of like clicking around and fucking with things. And I don't know if it's because I just played Clock Tower, which has a lot more obtuse puzzles in it than this does. I, I couldn't tell if the puzzles in amnesia were intuitive or just like really fucking easy for me. Like there was one time I got stuck and that's my fault because I just wasn't searching thoroughly. Here's the weird thing about this game too. Most items are highlighted by kind of like a, a purple glow and some items aren't. And so there are certain key items that you do need that aren't highlighted while some other ones are, and it's really fucking confusing. So, like, I, at that point, I had to look through. I think it was um, when you have to get the elevator working. Okay. And you needed, like, these three rods um, to solve one of the puzzles. And I completely missed those rods because they weren't highlighted. Right. Like, they weren't needed until they were needed. But yet you're carrying things around that you don't need until way later in the fucking game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like to your example, like you have that broken needle like very early on and then you get to the morgue like towards the end of the game and you're like completely forget that you even have that <laughs> that item in your inventory. But in the first hour of me having that needle in my inventory, every every time I've seen something, I'm like, ah, I'm going to use this needle to jam it into the creature's eye. Nope. I'm going to pick a lot. Nope. Yeah. I'm going to fucking throw it in a fireplace. I don't know what to do with this thing. And then I forgot I even had it. Yeah, you can't, and again, you can't really combat enemies. You can throw things at them. It does nothing. But it stuns them for literally like a quarter of a second. Oh, the other thing too as well with the puzzles, and this is where what we were talking about with the um, needing to read, is that if you're not reading, some of these puzzles will give you a lot of fucking problems. Because guess what? It's on page 394 out of the five thousand that you just read the puzzle solution is in the text you just have to read through it to find a vague yeah. description of what might actually help 
they're either really easy or you didn't read to know what to do. There is a logbook. So like everything you read does get basically put into your inventory. Yeah, you're filed through for it. To your point, you're like, well, which fucking note do I need to read? And if you do get lost or you're kind of stuck at where you are, um, there is like a logbook that Daniel keeps where he'll write down things like, oh, maybe I should go check the guest room and maybe there will be some explosive in the explosives in there. Why are there explosives? I don't fucking because know. Because it's lit, fam. <laughs> so gameplay wise, it's not if you listen, if you like physics space, you'll love it. If you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, there'll be parts where you will be frustrated and you'll be playing the game on the wrong kind of edge, not in the spooky kind of edge, more in the I'm agitated over the physics of this game. I just want it to be done because I will say too, this game is great, but they could have shaved three hours off of this game. The game does drag a little bit. I would say maybe after the, well, it's been a minute after the prison, which terrifying the prison, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It's mid game. Fucking scary. Um, but I feel like the cistern doesn't need to exist. The cistern doesn't need to exist. Also, there's a smoke monster there. That fun fact. Um, I don't know if you ran into it, but I played this game twice. I've never ran into the goddamn smoke monster, but I know there's a smoke monster. No, I, there was like in the entire area. I think there's only like two enemy encounters that I had. There's a smoke monster in the cistern. Is that like, do you have to do something to trigger I have it? No, or? I have no idea. I don't know if there's something you have to do to make it spawn, but yeah, you could end up doing a whole playthrough and not run into the smoke monster because I didn't run into it either time. Yeah, I, you know. He knew better than to come mess with your boy. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the things too about this, about games like these in general, the scare factor you know, even though I kind of saw, again, this is something I like to refer to as when I see the matrix in the video games where I'm like, I kind of see what this game is trying to do um, as far as the um, the design of it goes, the game design and everything. Right. There was still that I still had anxiety because I hate fucking being chased. I hate being chased in video games. That's why I think Mr. X was so fucking effective for me in Resident Evil 2. Was that I just, I fucking, I hate it. I hate it. I hate knowing somebody's on my fucking heels and they could possibly be faster than me. And I have to like. I have to break focus of what I'm, task I'm trying to do to now get yes. away from this person. I will say yes. too though, because you, since you brought that up about being chased, I am, I'm very glad that we are in the horror gaming community are getting away from the pursuer enemy. Mr. X was the golden standard. Um, mm -hmm. Jack Baker in RE7 was also great. But I don't want every game to have a pursuer enemy for the exact same yes. reason. I agree. It's just sometimes it's a little bit too much. But then you have games like Alien Isolation, which... That is the concept of the game, is that you were always being chased. Like, that's what it's meant to be. I don't like when 
I don't like having to avoid an enemy the entire fucking time because then it becomes more tedious and terrifying. And, and that's the, I think amnesia has some sort of balance to that, right? Yeah, well, I, I agree. There's a lot of, there's a lot of moments where it's like nonstop, like you are getting fucked. And then there are moments of reprieve, like for me, like the sister, holy shit, you're scared. Your cat scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it's the main tune. Um, there is um there are moments of reprieve in in amnesia like the cistern at least for me where there's like only two encounters really and it's based on jump scares like those most of amnesia is kind of based on jump scares yeah again when we get into the sound design that does a lot to build like anticipation but like in the cistern there's like one enemy you have to distract so that you can get through a door and i thought i distracted him and as i was going around the other corner he actually wasn't distracted at all and i bumped right into him and of course i i jumped because i'm like oh shit i did not expect him to be here still um that's kind of what amnesia scares are are built up to be it's it's this chasing mechanic this running away uh which you know it's um it's effective in some ways because again this is um physics based you're close you have to everything you interact with on the controller you are doing multiple things at once right you open so you're you closing have to close a door it. You, yep if you open a door you have to close it and vice versa if you want to hide behind something you might have to carry it with you and put place it in front of you like a barrel or something like that enemies can break through doors you might have to barricade the doors with items i was a real quick uh funny thing about that i had a part of this game where i was running and I went to guy like I hid in the room. The enemy burst into the room, looked around, and it just fucking left. Just left me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mentioned looking at enemies also drains your your um sanity yep. meter. And one of the things that somebody mentioned in the retro rec- recollections was like, just look at the wall. And that's kind of what I found myself doing was like, well, I'm not supposed to look at the enemy. And I think that's also supposed to build anticipation because you're like, I'm not looking at the thing that's actively pursuing me. Fear of the unknown. Right. But I didn't partic- – I found the chase scary. But once I got into a corner and I knew that because I could see the matrix, the enemy was just going to walk away anyway. Right. So, and if you get caught, it doesn't matter because do it two more times a day. Won't fucking be there. Uh, the one last note I he- have here is that I played this on the Switch – how did that run, by the way? This game is 13 years old. It runs like fucking shit on the Switch. <laughs> this game is not like a resource powerhouse or anything like that. Like this is, we talked about the development of the game. It's incredibly simple with what it does. And dude, this game fucking chugs. Like I'm talking like, I'm not a frame rate person, but when I notice the frame rate dip, then it's a fucking problem. Wow. Because, <laughs> dude, it it's rough. It's fucking rough. Well, I know not to buy it on the Switch now, because I almost I was gonna play because in that collection, uh, it has a machine for pigs, and I was gonna replay that, but I was like, Yeah, I'm playing it on the Switch where I could have like cartoons in the background and it doesn't freak me the fuck out. But no, yeah, no okay, there was no. Don't yeah. The only reason why I bought it is because um, 
it was on sale. I think it was on sale for like 10 bucks. And I was like, shit, I'm getting basically three games. I recommend playing. I recommend playing Machine for Pigs. Taking the red fill, and I'm ready for trivia. Okay, <laughs> all right. Let's get into this trivia game. Something I would like to call. Oh, I um, I forgot. So, what is a more overused plot device than your character waking up realizing they forgot everything about themselves up until the point in that game or movie, for that matter? Trauma. I mean. Well, yeah, sure. Trauma. <laughs> it's a hypothetical question. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, a non-hypothetical question is, or answer is trauma. I'm so goddamn tired of trauma. Everybody's trauma dumping. Dude, everyone. Or even villains. Daniel's been villains doing it. Villains have trauma so that you can relate. Yeah, listen, Daniel's been trauma dumping on me this entire goddamn game, all right? Basically, the rules to this game is that I'm going to give you 10 video games that have characters that are amnesiacs. So without giving you the characters' names, I will give you clues to what the game is, and all you have to do is tell me what that game is. Let's do this. You got it? Yep. All right. Let me try not fuck up by giving you the answer right away. So the first game is, and the first clue is, a Square Enix game released in 1999. Pong. No, you said ninety nine. You, you said ninety nine. I skipped on that part. <laughs> oh, oh, Square Enix game released in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, we have done a power hour, so your excuse. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Uh, Square Enix game released in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, with an amnesiac character. Oh, uh, Final Fantasy eight or seven. Which one? Seven. Are you sure about that one? Shit, I don't. Squall loses memory in halfway through part eight. Um. Do you want the second guess or the second? Second clue? clue, please. One of the best card games in all of gaming. Is he? Is he? Yeah, what's that? Yu Gi Oh! Falsebound Kingdom. It's Square Enix. Card game. I don't know. You said it already. Oh, Final Fantasy. Tactics of Apes. No. What? Final <laughs> the, <laughs> the Game Boy Advance was not 1999. You said it already, man. Final Fantasy 7? Did I say it during this part, or did I say it earlier? Is Final Fantasy 7 your final answer? Final Fantasy 7 is my final answer. <laughs> no, what was it? It is Final Fantasy VIII. Eight? God damn it. Oh. And technically, yes, Squall is amnesiac. In fact, the entire cast are amnesiacs. <laughs> they all forgot. Yeah, and also where they came guy, from. Squall didn't die after the second disc. Stop it. 
that mm, we're, I'm not even going to touch that. No, he did. He did <laughs> die. I just like to wind people up. Game number two. The first clue is a 2019 point and click developed in Estonia. 2019. No, not King's Quest. All point and click. Is it Destiny 2's menu screen? <laughs> is that your final answer? Do you want no. Do you want the second clue? I do want a second clue, yes. Second clue is I hope you like politics. <laughs> is it Tales from the Borderlands? That's a legit answer, by the way. No. What is that? It is Disco Elysium. Okay, I didn't play Disco Elysium. It's on my list, and everyone keeps telling me it's a okay. really good game. Game number three, clue number one. This is an early CD Project Red game that came out in 2007. This is not King's Quest either. Stop going back to King's <laughs> Quest. <laughs> CD Project Red, 2007. Do you want the second clue? Yeah, because I don't think it's what I'm thinking it is. Also, one of the best card games in all of gaming. Card games in all gaming? I know it's not Yu-Gi-Oh. I gotta stop the Yu-Gi-Oh. There's a game where Yu-Gi there's a game where, where Yu-Gi doesn't have his memory. Could you imagine CD Project Red creating a Yu-Gi-Oh game? Please let it happen. <laughs> you can choose Yu-Gi-Oh's dick size. Oh, do you know how great that'd be? Listen, he's never lost a game of who's the pro tag. That's why his voice gets so deep. True. Balls drop every time he transforms. <laughs> My man gains six inches each time. Doctors are the doctors <laughs> hate him for revealing the secret on hell. I want to say it's it's The Witcher 2. The Assassin of Kings. You know what? I'm gonna give it to you. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna give it to you. It's basically the entire Witcher series. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because when you said card game, I was like, well, listen, Gwen is the shit, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Geralt starts with uh, Amnesia in, I think, the first game. Yeah. Game number four, first clue. This is a 2017 open world tech demo. 2017. No Man's Sky. Is that your final answer? Do you want the second clue? I would like the second clue, please. I'm not feeling confident. Okay. Poop Collecting Simulator. 2017 Open World Poop Collecting Simulator. Yeah, I'm kind not going to get that demo. one. Oh my God, I'm not going to get that one. But I want to play it. The tech demo is my own words, by the way. Okay. This is a, f this is a famously hated game by me. <laughs> Is it Resident Evil 5? No. Farming Simulator? Wait, was that your final answer? The Farming Simulator? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a final answer. Farming Simulator, final answer. It is The Legend of Zelda colon Breath of the Wild. Oh. Yeah, the tech... Yeah. Link literally wakes up and he's like, I don't even know who the hell I am. The tech demo part threw me off there. I'm calling you out, Red Fox. Most listeners of the show would know that I call Breath of the Wild a fucking tech demo because it is. <laughs> yeah, but it's still better than Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, uh, they're like the same. Anyway, 
<laughs> game five, Clue One, a Square Enix game released in 1997. <laughs> this is Final Fantasy Seven, and I'll take my second clue whenever you're ready to give me it. There's no need. It is absolutely Final Fantasy Seven. I knew it. Fucking knew it. Game number six, clue number one, a 2003 licensed Bioware game. Um, 2003, you said? Yeah. Okay, is it, is it Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay? Is that your final answer? Do you want a second clue? I'll take the second clue. This is a question I ask myself about this particular license, is that do we need more of this franchise? Like, do we really need more of this thing? Oh, fuck. Is this a Star Wars game? Um, It might be. Is it? 2007. That was the... Okay. 2003. Oh, 2003. Wait, is this um, Star Wars Bounty Hunter? Finally, it's a Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Knights of the Old Republic. Fuck, you have amnesia in that game. That is a, a game I haven't played, but apparently Darth uh, Revan. Darth Revan. Darth Revan? It did. Yeah, has a, uh, uh, is amnesia. Cool, here's a good hot Am- take. I don't. Amnesia. Yeah, here's a good hot fuck. take. I don't give a fuck about KOTOR. You people don't give a fuck about KOTOR either. The internet told you KOTOR was an important game. It was back then. It ain't now. The remake's gonna fucking suck. That's why it came out, the remaster on Switch and everything else, and no one's fucking talked or played about it since. Is that remake coming out? I thought it was canceled. Code, I don't know. I No clue. I stopped following it. I played Cold Tour when I was younger, and then that was it. I know Knights of the Old Republic is on the Switch as like a HD port or some shit like that, but and no <laughs> one's ever right. talked about it, even though you guys cried about it for years. They gave it to you on a modern console. Good point. And how much is anyone talking about? Did it win game of the year? No. Last of Us 2 did, though, bitch. I highly doubt that the Switch could run a game from 2003, so that's probably why nobody's talking it about it. It can't run Amnesia. <laughs> uh, moving on to number seven. First clue. This is, much like Star Wars, a very polarizing 2010 game made by Remedy. I'll take the second clue. The character in this game should stick to writing other than fighting his demons. Or rather than fighting his demons. I'm not going to get this one. Are you conceding? I'm conceding for this one. Alan Wake. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I might play the second one without ever touching the first one, but I'm not an Alan Wake guy. I couldn't get down with it. Yeah, it... I'm still on the fence about the second one. Now, I'm going to play because my co-host at GameShare, wait, he likes Alan Wake, and he's going to get it, so mm-hmm. I'll have access. So I'll probably play it, but I will play okay. the first one well, to lead hey, into it. I'll be looking out about what you have to say about it. Even within the better game than Alan Wake is, I said it. Oh, okay. I still haven't played that either. Good. I, I think I heard um uh, your episode with Deleted Saves with Phil. Oh, yeah. When you guys talked about it. Yeah, me and Phil went... Uh, what heavy-handed on that? Uh, speaking of uh, a game, yeah, a game that is heavy-handed when it, it comes to Phil's opinions on it, that might be a clue. But the real clue here is it is a 2000 
in one release made by a Japanese health spa company. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, second clue. Just go right into that second clue. The dog made him do it. Bad dog. This Silent Hill 2? It is Silent Hill 2. Okay. For a second, I thought, and it's probably going to be an answer to one of them. I thought it was Bioshock Infinite for a second. Why Bioshock Infinite? Because Booker doesn't have, doesn't remember anything. You know, I'm surprised I didn't put that on here. It's not on here. Phil does have an infamous episode on Silent Hill 2, which, hey, shout out to Deleted Saves. Go check out that episode. Number nine. First clue. This is a 2002 Capcom spinoff series. 2002. No, no, that's Square again. Goddamn, Square. All your people forget shit. Um, <laughs> second, second clue. Because yeah, I almost said Rechain of Memories, and I was like, no. So in my opinion, laser swords are always cooler than lemon shooters. Oh, fuck, there's no more heroes? Final answer? Final answer is... Yeah, it's going. I'm going no more heroes with this. Why didn't I think the Wii came out that long ago? Mega Man Zero. Oh. Did that kill? How's he an amnesiac? He, he doesn't remember. At the beginning of that game, he does not remember anything. Zero does not remember shit. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. The game's rigged. Keith knows the fucking answers. Listen, normally, normally I'm like, there's no trick questions, but you know what? For number 10, I'm going to say there's no trick questions. I never have any trick questions in any of these. I'm going to get this one right, y'all. First clue, a 2010 3D point and click adventure. Amnesia, the dark descent. I was right. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> the, the second clue there was uh, somebody should podcast about this game and try to trick their guest on a trivia segment. <laughs> don't worry. I wouldn't have forgotten this game. I've tried. Four out of ten, which, uh, man, that's rough. God, that sucks. Absolutely. Goddamn terrible. <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> I got the important questions. All right. I hope you had fun at least. Me I did, I did. About, yeah. The, uh, so yeah, this has been... Oh, I forgot. So moving on to the rest of the podcast here, let's get into the graphics. And I don't have a ton to say about this because like, so I played this on the Switch. I don't know if like the fidelity is as bad as maybe playing on something else. This is again, a 2010 game. It was made with a very low production budget. I wasn't expecting much from this. Overall, I think it's, I think it's okay in the way that they use lighting is incredibly atmospheric and everything. My only gripe is, uh, well, again, I played this on the Switch, so there's performance issues. 
But aside from that, the monsters look fucking stupid. Yeah, I don't think the graphics in this game are really all that great. This is the most Xbox 360 color palette I've ever seen in my fucking life. Um, yes. Especially looking at things from a distance. Things from a distance are very, very fucking grainy. The monsters are very pixelated if you really look at them. Like, if they want to do an HD remake of this game, I may consider revisiting it. But you would need to fix the pop-ins and texture to a lot of things. Graphically, this game is of its time. I don't think it aged well comparatively to, like, The Bunker and Machine for Pigs and other, like, games like this. And when you're playing a first-person game, all you have is perspective. So I think for the time, it was great. Graphic-wise, though, I ain't impressed. Lighting is good. I will say the lighting does a decent job. Kind of the main mechanic, yep. right? It's doing a lot of heavy lifting. It has to be dark. You have to kind of mess with the back and forth between light and light and dark. Yeah, it does great casting shadows. I, I give a lot of credit to games when they like when I'm not able to figure out what they're doing mechanically. Right. But unfortunately, this isn't one of those games. So I was like, well, I want to see what the monster looks like. I want to see what's chasing me. And unfortunately, that kind of ruined the experience because I'm like, well, this thing just looks fucking goofy. Right. I imagine Daniel looks scarier than this person does. The prison is the best looking area in the game. Yeah, and I mostly would agree. because it is very samey and the prison is but that kind of helps add to the tension because the prison everything kind of looks the same but it's also kind of rendered a little bit better and it looking the same adds to the confusion cuz you can get lost in the prison so fucking quick. Moving on to the music uh, if you're good. Yep. So I've kind of alluded to it throughout the podcast, but the music here, the sound design does a ton of heavy lifting when it comes to the game. Um, why don't you kick us off? What would you think about the overall music and the sound design? So here? the sound design for this game is essentially where a lot of your scares are going to. Like we said, once you see the monster under the bed it's less scary the sound design though does a great job of building the tension for it you hear things before you see things and then it kind of adds it's like a stinger in movies where it's not the thing popping out at you but it's the in your ear sound effect that you're hearing on top of it is what's actually causing the reaction to you jumping and being afraid of it I think the sound design of this game's great. Daniel's footsteps, the sound of doors opening and closing, like the sound of the creatures in the distance, which again, you never know if they're real or not because Daniel's fucking crazy. I think the sound is literally just holding this game together as far as scares go. If you are looking forward to playing the game and experiencing it for yourself, I recommend the headphones to someone who played it in both ways. Like I stated before, playing without it, sometimes the sound cues are a little bit off-kiltered. You know, you'll see a door come open before you hear the sound of it and vice versa. And honestly, the sound of the creatures are more scary than the actual creatures themselves. Yeah, it's all about, again, anticipation, mm -hmm. I think. The sound design does a lot to kind of, kind of what you said, like build the atmosphere. It's giving you this response 
of things that could be there that aren't actually there. And that, again, that alludes to Daniel being fucking insane. Right. Um, and that lends again to the insan- insanity, insanity meter. Uh, what was it called? The Yeah. Sanity meter. I said insanity meter. <laughs> um, that lends to the sanity meter too. Cause like the, the further he regresses, the more audio cues that the game is going to give you. And like when you talk about games like Silent Hill or Resident Evil, there are areas and spots in those games where there's no sound at all. And this game is kind of oppressive when it comes to its soundtrack. There's always something there. It's never silent. And I think that's also part of what makes this game not miserable in the way that it, like it sucks to play, but such a a dreadful experience rather yeah not not miserable but dreadful experience because the music is so oppressive the music makes the game feel lived in as well yeah that's a good way of putting it too because even even though you are in an abandoned castle it seems like something is always there right almost like the castle itself is its own character and a lot of that plays in the sound design of the castle i will say too as well the echoing in the hallways i think does very very well you throw something, you hear it, and you kind of really hear it. Yeah, and there's a you know there's an entire section of the game where there's an invisible enemy chasing you in the water. Yeah, fuck that thing. And there is an incredible splashing sound that, like, once you hit the water, and then you start hearing the thing coming after you, and the splashing is getting louder and louder as it's coming near you, is such a good way of conveying that sense of terror that something is literally coming after you rather than you just kind of again feeling that something's following you because the game told you that it was following you So all there is left to do at this point is summarize our thoughts and whether or not we would recommend checking out Amnesia in the year of our Lord, 2023. And, oh man, I think I'll kick things off here. Okay. I'm glad we we kind of really took our time to talk about this game tonight because Again, this is one of those games that is lauded as one of the scariest games of all time. There's so many people that stare this game down and won't even touch it because of kind of the the legacy that it carries. I feel like whenever a new entry drops in the series, it's it kind of is like a big deal in the horror community. And having played it for the first time for the show, I'll say this. There were two times I felt scared. And it had to do with things that happened outside of the game. So the first time was when I was in the area we were just talking about. We were, uh, I was in the flooded basement. And again, I hate being chased. And that is the part of the game where you are most, you know, you are being chased the most, right? And you right. get to a section where you have to sit there and open up a door 
and you have to take limbs and toss them into the water to distract the monster. And so as I'm doing this, this part of the game, all of a sudden my girlfriend just bursts into the room, like literally just like bust the door open. And I, I fucking screamed. I jumped. Right. Because <laughs> it was, it's such, uh, the game does such a good job at that point, ramping up the intensity, the anxiety of the situation, because you're trying to open this door. You know, the monster's only going to be distracted for a certain amount of time. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing again the water splashing coming near you. And you're like, fuck, I have to move. I have to get out of here. And so, with that anxiety in mind, all of that build up. And then all of a sudden, my girlfriend just bursts in the room, is just like, she is the most. It pissed me off. <laughs> and then the second time was just, I mean, just perfect timing, just perfect circumstances in which I was playing the game. And it was the part where you finally get the elevator working, you get in the elevator and the elevator crashes, right? Right. The elevator crashes. And as soon as it crashes in the game, the power goes out. And I'm like... <laughs> It was one of those situations where it was like a sensory overload. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like some Kojima-esque charade the game is playing where it turns off your power somehow. <laughs> like in a split second, I was like, how does this game do this? Like, this is fucking amazing. Psychomantis is about to erase my save file. Right. <laughs> like, how how did the game tap into, like, the the circuitry of my house? But no, it was just the power went out. It was just like that fucking like weird timing of real world events with the fucking video game. Anyway, <laughs> and that freaked me out. I was dreading playing this game going into it. If I'm honest, I was absolutely terrified. And then once I started to kind of see what it was wanting me to do and then feeling vindicated listening to that interview in that like everything is not as what it seems right a lot of his predetermined outcomes i mean again sound design is fucking impeccable but like as strong as the sound design is when you figure out what the game is doing the sound design also doesn't really matter in the end either so oh man am i gonna recommend this game i think it's worth checking out i i, I would give it a light recommend I think if you're into games like these, you also have to, again, be into the puzzle mechanics as well. Yeah, I would give it a light, a light recommend. I, I feel like I'm not going to go on too much about this. Um, but what do you think, man? Would you recommend this game? In summary, I think Amnesia, The Dark Descent, is a horror staple if you've never played it. Like I said in the beginning, if you've already played it before and you know you're seeing all the buzz that it gets even now to this day and you're thinking of revisiting it i don't recommend it don't take the shine off that rose enjoy it for what you remember it as i think that this game has one of the biggest pro one of the biggest problems that i have with this game is it doesn't do aside from the invisible enemy it doesn't do enough to change what you've already been experiencing the sound design does carry it so much, but once you're already accustomed to the world that you're playing in, it is one of those games where it's like, you're going to get more of the same as you progress through the game. Um, is, which is again why I said that it could shave, uh, you know, two to three hours off this game, make it more tighter, more tenser experience because it doesn't give you enough time. It gives you enough time to get used to it, but not enough time to get 
too familiar with what you're going to experience. Like halfway or more, yeah, about halfway through the game, once you get over how terrifying the prison is, you kind of get the idea. Monster here, no problem. Wait it out, and then you skadoodle on down. I think the game, in general, yes, I would recommend it if you've never played it and you're going in blind or you only know the word of mouth of the game. But I think if you're looking to experience the mechanics like the insanity, or the sanity meter, damn it, I did like you did. <laughs> yeah. The sanity meter of the game, you want something like that, I would recommend playing Eternal Darkness. Yeah. Um, Another game we mentioned they, before. Oh my god, they do a great job with the insanity meter. With you, like your whole gameplay will determine based on how the choices you're making, how you're playing the game, and it'll just fuck with you more. Based on how insane your character is getting, it'll just progressively get hotter as it goes. But for Amnesia, honestly, if you want to play a game like this, I recommend not playing The Dark Descent. I recommend playing either uh, Machine for Pigs or The Bunker from the brief parts that I've seen of it. Because it takes these mechanics and it kind of polishes off some of the complaints that we have. But the sound design still is like one of the best things. Like, so I looked a bit into it because we were talking on Twitter about, um, like the sequels. Like, if this game kind of made you feel like playing the sequels, I looked into the bunker and I talked to a friend or two who've played the bunker. They said the bunker did what they wish Amnesia would have did, which is like, they make you feel like the, the Tinder boxes and the, and the the oil was like like you need to be careful about how you use these the bunker is like that with turning on the generators it's not oh generator went out turn it back well no it's like okay it went out i only have like three more times to turn this generator on the entire rest of this game do i really want to use it two hours in i think amnesia the dark descent is great, but at the same time, I, I I do feel like you need to limit your expectations and actually follow along with what they're asking you to do and lean into the game. You have to want to play this game. Like, you have to want to play. You have to want to be scared and not break yourself from it. Because, again, you look at the creature and it becomes less scary. It's more terrifying running from it and not knowing, then turning around, letting it catch you, just so you can kind of see what you're running from. Don't break the game down to a science, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think one of the things um, that we can agree on is that it just doesn't exactly live up to the hype and the legacy that people claim it. Like, I wanted... At the time, sure. Yeah, I wanted to play this game because of what it was known for what what people say it is and it just actually it did it like it's it's okay but it definitely is not what i expected it to be and i think that overall kind of ruined it for me personally but i i i don't think it's a it's a terrible game it's fine for what it is but i i think we both agree that it is just it doesn't live up to the hype no, and I think, too, 
this market right now is very oversaturated with game shifts like this, mm-hmm. where it's like you can't you you have the means to survive other than a limited inventory system, and you just your goal is to survive, and that's it. Um, I think though that if you've played games like Outlast or Soma, you're not going to get much from this game because you already understand the dynamic of how this game is played. This is not your first rodeo, and it's not going to be an enjoyable rodeo if you played games like this. Like, if you beat Alien Isolation, kudos to you, that game's terrifying. Um, you're going to think this game is a joke. You're going to think this is a demo to, like, what the other games in, or what other games in this genre have done. And because there's so many of them. Uh, at this point, man, I mean, the floor is yours. Everybody knows where to find me, but... You're on, you know, Night of the Living podcast, Drunken Gamers, Super Slash Brothers, uh, all that stuff. So plug away, man. Plug all 17 of your podcasts, dude. (laughs) Uh, All right. So some quick plugs. Uh, If you're into pop culture, comics, movies, uh, shit like that, I also do some video game reviews on there uh, because listeners just kept on asking for it. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Night of the LP. Uh, that's for another living podcast. That's my main account where you will catch me, you know, rooting toot and acting a fool in starting arguments with, uh, people and just genuinely causing chaos on Twitter. Um, you can follow Drunken Gamers podcast for different, uh, gaming topics. We tackle different things every week and it's always a random subject. How we have episodes based off of a text thread where it's like, but what if this happened? Bet. Let's do an episode. We could spill an hour on that. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at Drunken Gamer Pod. And if you're a fan of horror, it is spooky season. Um, and you want to hear about some horror movies. Uh, I'm a huge horror movie aficionado. Uh, over at Super Slash Pod, where we talk all that spooky shit. And uh, yeah, those are the three places you can find me. I'm in one of the three at all times. And yeah, I absolutely back everything that you've done so far i mean you're a phenomenal host on all those shows you also are just uh bounce off very well of of uh your co-hosts and everything and the guests that you have on incredibly personable person and i also thank you for joining me tonight i mean this is this is a long one this is the longest episode i've had in quite a while so i i appreciate you coming on and, and sticking through with me bud Nah, i appreciate it. it's a red fox curse every time i get on someone's podcast i'm like all right guys we're gonna drink beer and talk for a long time <laughs> be ready to be ready to hang out we're in it for, we're in it to win it for the long run well considering this was a, a power hour episode i was like well i at least have you for an hour so that's the most time i could ask from you at that point <laughs> i got nothing but tough so with that um that's gonna do it for this episode thank you guys for joining me thank you again red fox for coming on absolutely thank you for having me and next time on the show we're Going back to more of a normal schedule, I know October was a a packed month, but I couldn't have figured out a, a better way to ring in the fourth annual Ghoulcade here. I mean, I fucking love the spooky months. So, but yeah, next month we're returning to more of a uh, regular schedule. The schedule that I I promised I would bring forth prior to my break, and we're going maybe two episodes a month here, and we're going to kick things off with, and I swear, I promise this time. It's going to be Sonic and Knuckles. So with that, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. 
take care of yourselves and always remember it's okay to like a video game. on the main quest podcast. <laughs>